Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, okay. Hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't exactly a pick-me-up watching the Oilers game. You were no. there, right? Yeah, I was there, and, and uh, I enjoyed some of the game and the experience of being there and some of the skill on display, but obviously the outcome wasn't as desired by the home faithful, and it was not a game that had a lot of drama or excitement down the stretch for the second home game in a row. The Oilers were looking up at the scoreboard and and uh, trailing for all but one minute tonight. Sunday, they made it to the two-minute mark before they were trailing for the rest of the game. Tonight, they didn't even make it past, was it one eleven of the first period? You know, yeah. I ranted about that on Sunday. I won't rant tonight because I didn't think they had a bad start. In fact, I thought they were fine, but the, they didn't get a save. And uh, and uh, Minnesota got a few saves, and the Oilers did a lot right in this game. But uh, the great equalizer... Goaltending, the other great equalizer, puck luck, and uh, the Oilers didn't have enough of either one of those things. Yeah, they had 12 grade A shots to seven for the Wild. So the Oilers weren't bad in this game. They were pretty good. But it, the story was goaltending. Bruce, in the third period where there was not much drama, just pain, mm-hmm. two sequences of pain to be <clears throat> specific, there was four, four, five alarm chances in the third period. Two by the Oilers. Yeah. They didn't score. Right. Two by the Wild. Mm-hmm. Got goals on both of them. So there you go. It was it was a game lost by the goaltenders. Bruce, what's your good thing? Well, my good thing tonight is Darnell Nurse uh, sitting high in the in the second bowl behind the end uh, of the Oilers that were attacking for two periods, and I just saw a nurse all over the ice. Man, does he get places and uh, try and create and uh, and uh, uh, make things happen out there. And, you know, the stats kind of back it up that he had 13 shot attempts in this game, seven of them on net, uh, and uh, he was firing from everywhere. He was making good plays along the blue line to keep the puck in making good decisions to, to pinch up the boards and chip pucks back into the corner. And I just thought he played a really dynamic, uh, good game. He got burned on uh, uh, on a 4-1 goal, I guess it was, on that. He got caught flat-footed with that great pass, that center that I think Kaprizov made, too. I mean, Dmitry Kulikov on a clear-cut breakaway. I mean, we all saw that one coming, right? So... That was uh, that was a play from nowhere, <clears throat> but that detracted but little from uh, uh, Darnell's night. And according to Natural Statric, he played 19 minutes at even strength. Uh, that's uh, uh, that they counted, uh, and he had uh, shot attempts 38 for the Oilers, 12 for the Wild. Shots 20 to eight for the Oilers with Nurse on the ice, and the play was constantly being pushed and pushed by nurse uh into uh minnesota territory and i'd say he was quite unlucky to just come out one-to-one on the goals front on this night but uh that was the nature of the night that the uh uh 
the uh, PDO was not in Edmonton's favor. He put one off the post in the first period where Hyman was screening it. Yeah. He, he cut into the slot for a really great backhand chance. Yeah, a wicked shot too from backhand. Like I'd, I'd love to see like five forwards out of the twelve on the team be able to shoot a backhand like that. And a sizzler from the high slot. There's and, forwards that won't even take a backhand, and you got a defenseman who can do that. And early in the third, he was the one who was set up for the one timer in front of the net, just five minutes into the third. And if he had scored there, would have been fantastic, but not to be Talbot. Talbot saved it. Bruce, he also was a little bit culpable on the first goal. He didn't take the stick of the wild mm-hmm. player, but really, and this is my bad thing, so early in the game, and this is my old complaint, when a goalie lets in a bad goal early in the game, their team never wins. I'm just going to say it. I don't think they ever win, <laughs> at least with the Oilers. He let in a bad get goal. It's just so demoralizing, and that was just, on the bench, they must just have been thinking, what the heck happened there? Because it wouldn't be necessarily evident watching the play what happened. When you watch the video, it's completely evident. Koskinen just gets off his post. He loses his post as the puck's coming up from behind the net. And they put it in the net. It was just terrible goaltending. And it was disastrous for the Oilers. Another start like that. And a really weak goal against. So, you know, only seven grade A shots. Four goals. goals. Not good, Bruce. Not good at all. Yeah, Koskinen. He, uh, I, I thought he had the post covered there, and and the, the first shot didn't go in, but it kind of squeaked through, and then his his foot came off the post, and uh, Erickson Eck, who's a very big, strong guy, was able to uh, muscle his way in there and get inside a Darnell stick and and touch it home, and uh, he. Uh, he was a pretty good player for uh, Minnesota tonight. Had a goal and assist in the first seven minutes of play. That basically was the difference in the game. You know, it's just like L.A. the other night. They, once they got to two nothing, you know, the Oilers weren't weren't coming back. I guess well, I left. Eric, Go ahead. Sorry, Eric Eck, You remember when uh, the Oilers? Yeah. Were going to take him. Yeah, and uh, there was there was some voices in the crowd, who I won't identify by name, who were saying, "You see, the Oilers are so silly that even even if they kept the draft pick and not traded for Reinhardt, they would have drafted the wrong guy. They would have took this Eric's neck guy over Barzil." Well, I'm not hearing so much of that this last couple of years because Eric's neck is a tremendous player. Yeah, he is. He's their new Saku or not? Miki's uh, their new Miko Koivu on that team. Yes, very good comparison. Um. Yeah, I jumped ahead there to my bad thing. I guess it was mm-hmm. top of mind, Bruce. To well, say it, the belonged, least. it belonged there. That's fine. You can yeah. you can do a good thing now. There was more bad than good in this game. So well, the Oilers' goal was pretty nice. McDavid was just flying out there. I thought he was actually played a really strong game. Was flying all game, and he, uh, you know, eventually he takes it down behind the net, and um, Hyman's creating a lot of confusion in front of the net, and he McDavid just made a very nice pass to JP Yesapuliarvi, the Bison King who slammed it in the net, just like he's got to do. So that was a beautiful goal, and it was uh, the highlight of the night, I'm sure, at the arena as well. So the that's goal, what... The goal, yes, it certainly was. And the play that impressed me there, I mean, uh, I think it was Hyman fed it to McDavid high in the zone, and he did some of his dipsy-doodle dangle stuff that he does, and, and uh, 
fired a shot on net from a from an angle hard shot. And the most impressive play at all was how he controlled the rebound of that shot, picked it off with his skate coming off the Talbot's pad. And, and it was like just another stick handle. He kicked it right up to his stick, came out the other side and found Pugliarvi in the low slot. Bam. But uh, a tremendous uh, play by McDavid to recover the puck, recover his own rebound after uh, Talbot had made the original save. And such incredible high-end skill the guy has at uh, just top speed. Stuff like that just blows me away. He had a few moves, too, in the neutral zone, one-on-ones where he just undressed some guy. But the thing was, there was always another Minnesota guy next. They were layered up against him, and he couldn't he couldn't get all the way through the layers before he ran out of room. Oops. That gives an echo when you do whatever you just did. Oh. Um, is it echoing now? No. I, I think I turned it off at the wrong time. Anyway, um, McDavid, there was one play where he won the board, where, where he picked the puck off the boards in the offensive zone, and he just quickly spun and split two wild defenders and went to the net with it. Right to the net. It's just yeah. an amazing play. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing play. Um, he had it going on. He just couldn't put up the goals because, you know, this is a, the owners are running into some teams that are getting their defensive play together right now and figuring it out on defense. Mm-hmm. And they're hard to score against, especially when it's backed up by good goaltending. Bruce, what's your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out Chris Russell a couple times lately. He had a, he had a nice run of games there last week and these last three, he's been pretty brutal. Got to say, yeah, he was pretty brutal tonight. And he was, uh, uh, he had a richly deserved minus two in this game. And uh, the first one in particular, I just don't know what the heck happened. It was a three on three. And he just, he looked like he should have his man. And he just kind of pushed pushed him and he pushed the guy towards the slot. And Russell was behind him after that. And the pass came across and Buddy just tapped it in. And I just don't quite understand what the intention was that he, what he was trying to do there. Like, usually you can see what he's trying to do, and sometimes, you know, he can't execute because the other guy's bigger and stronger or faster or what have you. But this was one where I just couldn't figure out what the hell he was even trying to do. Anyway, whatever it was failed spectacularly, and his man wound up with an easy tap-in, and that's not the usual Chris Russell giving up easy tap-ins. And then on the third goal, you know, he was beaten by a a pass across the slot, and... uh, uh, again, what came out second best on that. And, you know, keeping the puck out of Oilers' net is his specialty. And tonight he uh, he basically failed at that specialty twice. I was shocked on the first goal, Bruce. <laughs> it was so un-Chris Russell like that play. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just terrible defense. Mm-hmm. It was horrendous. Yeah. You know, he was back in time. He just needed to keep his feet moving. Probably could have got on the right side of the guy if he kept hustling, which he always does, except in that play he didn't. He kind of bumped him. Yeah, but he bumped him in the like wrong direction. Where they bump him and give him the boost to go faster. <laughs> yeah. Bumped him yeah, forward like into that. the slot. They're like Phil yeah. and Tony Esposito hockey in, in the 1970s, that uh, table game with, oh, mag- yeah. with magnet players. Anyway, he um, <laughs> it was just the weirdest un-Chris Russell-like play, but he, you know, he's been himself sometimes this year and not himself at other times. And I think the heavy use is ca- has caught up to yes. him. He can't play that much. And, you know, <clears throat> maybe they should have called up Philip Berryland from the farm team instead of either Lagasin or Nima Line and, you know, a right side guy when CeCe went out. 
because man, they're missing. Uh, do they ever miss Cody Cece, Bruce? Yeah, that's for he, sure. He he's been their steadiest defenseman. He and Darnell Nurse, their two best defensemen this year. One on the left, one on the right, and they, they have just missed the hell out of Cody Cece. That he cannot come back fast enough. Hopefully, his his case of COVID wasn't wasn't too serious. Gauging from what Tippett said, it, I don't think it sounded like it was. Like, sounds like he's going to be back um, fairly soon here. Good because they need him. Yeah, the Oilers went four and two with Nurse out, but so far they're one and three without Cece. So that's, you know, they, they won the first game that he was out, that kind of miracle win against Pittsburgh. And then since then, they've had their ears boxed now three three times in a row. And weakness on right side defense has been a problem in those games. Yeah, let's move on to our numbers now, Bruce. Um, is that where? Yeah, we're at our numbers. Um, mm-hmm. My number is minus nine. Uh-huh. And that is Philip Broberry's plus minus in the last seven games. So I went and checked to see if he's actually how responsible he is for that minus nine. And I think we have him personally, like one of the the culprits on just four of the goals against not all, not all nine, just about half of them. So he hasn't been playing terrible hockey. He hasn't been eaten alive at the NHL level. But he's not crushing it. And tonight, like, he allowed the pass into the slot um, where Russell Lost didn't cover man. the guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Broberry allowed, allowed that pass into the slot. That's, as an NHL defenseman, you want to stop that play. So he's he's had a few too many plays like that. And, um, you know, I don't think, he, I think he's he's looked good. He's skated well. Um. He's not. He's playing a cautious, fairly cautious game, but uh, and and I've liked what I've seen in in many ways, but um, he is starting to. They're taking advantage of him a little bit on on defense. Well, he played ten minutes tonight and was minus two. Uh, that's not a real good sign. And uh, you know, it's, neither he nor his partner had a terrific game, but. Uh, uh, in his very first game, he had an assist. Remember, he made that play in yeah. the corner, and he was plus one in that game. And since then, this is his complete game log. So every game, no points, and minus two, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus two. Seven minus games in a row. And you can say, oh, plus minus, that doesn't mean anything, but his goals for percentage is not good. And his goals against per 60 is not good. Like they're scoring, they're scoring against him and the orders are not scoring uh, when he's out there. And, and uh, uh, you know, he's losing his segment of every game. The orders are losing that part of the game, one or two, nothing. And that's hard to recover from wherever you identify, whether it's the first goal, whether it's a particular line that's getting caved or whatever, where you're losing a goal a game is a, a big disadvantage for an entire team to overcome. And, his, uh, I mean, he's in over his head right now, I would say. And, and uh, this call-up was premature because of the, what happened with the injuries. And I would think that the first possibility that they get one, when uh, one more guy comes back, uh, be it CC or especially if it's Keith and it's another left-side defenseman, that they'll uh, uh, they'll get him down and play in big, big minutes in, um, in Bakersfield again and... and 
with some direction on things that he needs to, parts of his game that he needs to work on to succeed at the NHL level. I mean, it's clear he's got the raw skills to do so. And he's, you know, he's getting some bitter firsthand experience as to how good NHL opposition players can be and how they'll burn you, uh, given a sliver of an opportunity to do so. So he's got uh, he's got plenty to work on and he's got plenty of time to work on it. And he's got plenty of tools with which to work on it. And I remain confident he's going to be a good player over time. Uh, but that time is not now. Yeah, there's some fans who will disagree with us, right? Like they want him to to stick with the team or maybe maybe they've changed their minds by now. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, he he's uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got sent down tomorrow, honestly, like depending on either Keith or Cece. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have Lagos and that they can play the next game. Right. So, um, Nima Linen has been OK. Nima Linen wound up plus one tonight. That's hard to do. He did allow a breakaway to Fiala. He did. That was a tough play, though. Like, Fiala oh. was, like, shot out of a gun. Yeah. That was a quick turnaround play. Like, any defenseman would have struggled to keep up with Fiala on that play. It was so quick to developing. But his job to stop him, and he didn't do it. So That was that was the play where he, he thought about stepping up to try and keep the puck in at the blue line and thought better of it and backed off, but didn't back off quite soon enough. I, was that well, Fiala? The, I, I didn't get all the numbers of was who a, was doing um, what for Minnesota. No, Pugliarvi, it was a turnover. Pugliarvi put it at net. Oh, okay. Turned it over, and there was a quick pass up the ice. Ah, yes, okay. And Fiala broke down the wing past Nima Linen and got a breakaway shot. So, and then there was another chance. I don't know if it was a grade-A chance or not. You'll have to review it. Yeah. Um, that Fiala got the rebound on. What's and your some number? Of this, some of this is rookies going to rookie, you know, and they're going to yeah. learn, and they're going to, you know, ideally... You get burned on a play like that. Your goalie makes a save. And the next day you look at the film and, boy, how could I have done that different coach? And coach says, oh, it's good, all good because uh, Miko had your back. And But this is what you need to take away from it. Well, anyway, um, my, uh, my number. Okay, uh, my number is two goals. And the Oilers in the first 17 games this year, they scored at least two goals in all 17 of those games. Every single game, they had multiple goals, 17 in a row. Since then, they've played seven games, and they've been held to one goal four of the seven games. So all of a sudden, this this solid Edmonton Oilers offense that can be relied on to put numbers on the board each and every night are suddenly half the time not able to do much of anything beyond a single goal. They, they won the first one of those games, 2-1 in the shootout over Winnipeg. Uh, but since then, they've been boxed 4-1 by Dallas, 5-1 by LA, 4-1 by Minnesota. You know, and they, they, they don't keep the puck out of their own net well enough to have a chance to hang around in many games where they can only score one themselves. So the, the uh, it's a concern that the offense has... Uh, it's not firing on all cylinders at this point, and uh, you can stretch out to the power play that went over five in this game, and and uh, really struggled to get uh, shots through. I thought uh, they were passing around the perimeter, and you know Minnesota, from high in the stands, it was very obvious they were playing a very tight box. They weren't lining guys up and having one forward above the other like the Oilers do it. It was the old style box, and you basically had. Uh, two guys at the bottom of the circles and two guys at the tops of the circles, all sort of aligned with the hash marks. 
and the Oilers would pass the puck down one side. The guy wouldn't see a shot. He'd look out to the point. The point man would look through. He wouldn't see anything. He'd swing it down to the other side and back and around and around and back and forth. And nobody would ever shoot because uh, they didn't have any shooting lanes. Like the Minnesota, I thought the Minnesota penalty killers were terrific, very, very disciplined. And so they're going to have to figure something out there. That's interesting, Bruce, because I noticed that the one-timers weren't open. But mm-hmm. I noticed the point shot was. And I, and I, was, I didn't put it together. They were playing the box like you did. So that's what they had to take, maybe more point shots. Um, yeah, I, I, they got a few and looking for rebounds and garbage and bounces in front, which didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, why don't we just leave it there? Let's move on. Let's move along. Yeah, this one wasn't a stinker like Sunday. I'm not going to say no. enough said about that stinker. Well, let's just say enough said about that game. Let's move on to Boston Bruins on Thursday night. Good stuff. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.